Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. When two Division I athletes discuss the challenges and successes of navigating life after competing, you get conversations designed by athletes for athletes. I'm Don Sutton. And I'm Brooke Beerhouse sharing with the athletic community stories and insights to better understand life when your sport ends. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on where this episode has found you. I'm Don Sutton, alongside my co-host, Brooke Beerhouse, on this week's episode of When Your Sport Ends, here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. We've been reflecting a lot this past month on the first season of When Your Sport Ends. Our premiere episode in February led to a fant- 27 fantastic episodes published every Tuesday, and it has been the best six months of discussing a tough topic with insightful guests, reconnecting with former teammates, and therapeutic conversations between Don and myself. It's been cool to see how our community has grown to cultivate new connections and conversations with so many amazing people. We want to thank our listeners for really helping us grow this podcast and have a strong enough community to gear up for a second season. That's right, second season. Yeah. We will be back on October 6th with new episodes, more insightful interviews, and important topics to discuss. We might even have a special edition episode in the works in between October 6th, so look out for that, but I won't say too much about that episode, just that it's going to be a good one. What I will say for now, though, is that we have a fantastic guest on the show today as our last interview of season one, and it's an inspiring episode to say the least. Joy Walker, affectionately known as Coach J., is a dynamic, results-oriented professional dedicated to preparing student-athletes for more than just game day. Coach Jay provides athletes with the tools they need to redefine themselves and transition from student-athletes to young professionals. A native of St. Louis, Missouri, Walker obtained her bachelor's degree in accounting from South Carolina State University, where she was a member of the women's basketball team. Coach Jay also coached Division One basketball. Yep. Her desire to help athletes take the lessons they learned from sports and apply them to life has inspired her to start Sets for Life. Sets for Life is a life skills company dedicated to training, equipping, and empowering student athletes for life after sports. Walker is an avid reader and host of the Sets for Life podcast. Our conversation with Coach Jay dives into her own transition out of Division I basketball. We talk about her athletic identity, her journey in corporate America for several years before returning to collegiate athletics. We also talk about Sets for Life, her inspiration for creating that platform, writing her first book and getting it published, and we talk about how she herself stays motivated and inspired. If you enjoy this episode, previous episodes, or maybe you just love hearing our voices, click the five-star rating below and leave a review. 
Your ratings and reviews help keep us in the trending category of every major podcast platform. And we love hearing from you. If you or someone you know has a personal connection to the transition out of being a competitive athlete in any stage of life, please reach out to us on Instagram at When Your Sport Ends. Before we get into our conversation with Joy Walker, we have a short advertisement that just about every person who has been on a road trip in the last few months has told me they wished they knew about this little portable Wi-Fi hotspot before they went on the road trip. The Skyroam Solis is a high-speed Wi-Fi hotspot that allows you to work on the road. It's been great for our camping and road trips lately if Don or myself needs to get some work done while we're away. Now, the Skyroam Solis and all Skyroam accessories are 20% off with the code Rome with Brooke. Just visit skyroam.com and enter the code ROAM with Brooke for 20% off. Link to that and the codes are in the show notes. Let's do this. My mom always told the story that before I could walk or talk, I was just drawn to the game of basketball. She would put me in front of the TV when she was going to go wash dishes or something. If she tried to flip past Michael Jordan and the Bulls, I would absolutely throw a fit. <laughs> and this was at nine months old. So of course, I don't remember it. But um, just as a kid, I mean, my my childhood bedroom was full of basketball posters. I was convinced I was going to be the next Allen Iverson or Michael Jordan. And even now, just with the way I walk and carry myself, people just think I'm an they know I'm an athlete and I haven't played yeah. competitively in, since <laughs> 2011, you know, but, you know, wow. just playing AAU, playing high school. And that was just I, I just was you have to be laser focused, you know, to make it to the collegiate level. And I was and I got there. I thought I was living the dream and never dawned upon me until maybe my junior or senior year that I wasn't going pro. And I had spent my entire childhood, my teenage years, my the first couple of years of my 20s preparing to be a professional basketball player. And it came to a screeching halt. And I went into a really, really dark place. And I think that as athletes, we are just so used to, we're so accustomed to being superheroes and just yeah. acting like everything's okay. But I was really, really struggling. So uh, because I dedicated so much time to my sport, compared to my classmates who didn't play sports, I felt like I really wasn't equipped to enter the workforce and go into corporate America. Um, so I worked some part-time jobs, worked some odd jobs. I went to school for accounting, eventually landed a job at an accounting firm and hated it. <laughs> it was, <laughs> <laughs> not Feeling that I there. hated it. I just, it just, something told me that there was more in me and I really miss basketball. One random day I got a text from an old AAU teammate. She says, Hey Joy, there's this basketball league on Wednesday nights. Do you want to play? And I was like, absolutely. And I had sort of stayed away from basketball because it just, it was painful for me to revisit it, but I was able to play in a league with a couple of old friends and I found myself living for this Wednesday night basketball league. And I thought, okay, you know what? Let me let me revisit my first love. So I I had my quote unquote dream job at an accounting firm, family and everyone's proud of me, but I decided to take a job coaching at a junior college in the middle of nowhere, cut my salary in half, moved into a dorm with my uh players and it was the best decision I ever made. And I thought, "Oh my gosh, I am going to coach forever." But 
being a few years removed from college, being a few years older than my players, I noticed that, oh my God, the cycle repeats itself. And mm-hmm. my players are so focused on basketball, you know, hashtag ball is live and they just, yeah. and it, you know, if we're being honest, if I'm coaching junior college basketball, these kids aren't going pro, but they're carrying themselves as if they are. And I, and I, I, I started looking for books and programs and I just couldn't find something that would really speak to maybe the 21 or 22 year old joy. So Mm -hmm. I just, I'm not one to complain. So I did my research. I started writing a book. I started a podcast and here we are today. I just consider myself an advocate for student athletes. Wow. Very nice. Yeah. I'd have to, I got to ask, when was that a turning point you think within the accounting firm? Because you kind of, it's funny, you say these kids are living ball is life, the hashtag, and you kind of did. You went back to that ball is life by coaching. And what what kind of uh, difference did that period really give you? I think that the working in accounting, and I worked um, for another company in the accounting department before working in the accounting firm, and it showed me a lot, and I didn't understand it at the time, but it showed me that I had a certain skill set. Mm-hmm. My, If I, I quit that accounting firm in what, 2017, I believe? Yeah, 2017. If I were to call my old boss today and tell that I wanted to come back, I'm pretty sure that wouldn't be a problem. Um, and I think that when you when you get out of sports, sometimes you might work in places where people might necessarily, they might not care that you were an athlete, but they see this work ethic. I know my first supervisor was like, oh my gosh, Joy, you're in here and you're constantly hustling like you're on Absolutely. the basketball court. And I never yeah. thought about it that way, but it made me a really, really good employee. I was able to add value to my team. So my time in accounting wasn't, it was frustrated, but as I look back, it wasn't wasted because now I can tell athletes, hey, you have this. And I'm not crazy about the whole transferable skills thing anymore because I have some some issues with that. But Mm -hmm. you have a skill set, you have training, you have discipline, you have a mindset that can really set you up to be successful no matter what you decide to do once ball or whatever sport you play comes to an end. So how did you find your athletes then once you started sort of implementing this idea of you know, having a game plan or utilizing your talents after basketball, how did you see those initial players um, grow, I guess is the right word, or how was their transition easier or maybe you helped them navigate? What was that like, those initial players? It was nice to just have a different conversation because I, once I left uh, accounting and got back into coaching. I coached for a couple of years and I worked as an administrator. So I was an academic advisor, life skills coordinator, student athlete development, everything that you can wow. think of. And I was able to have, especially when I was coaching um, and I was writing the book and I had the podcast and I started to have, you know, athletes who weren't even, and when I was an advisor, I had uh, football, softball, and track. So I would have students who weren't even, you know, playing the sports that I worked with and they would come and they would say, Hey, you know, I heard about your podcast or I heard you wrote a book. So it was just so amazing to have conversations with athletes that didn't consist of, Oh my gosh, you hit two home runs last night or wow, you hit that game winning three. And just to see them. And it was interesting because some of them were really scared. Even the ones who don't play sports that, you know, like the football basketball that don't necessarily go pro. They're like, you know, Coach, I really don't know what I'm good at. 
outside of volleyball. I really, I've been running track my entire life and I don't really know what's next. It was just refreshing to give them a safe space to really talk about more than just their grades and their progress on the field or on the court. That's, that's cool that you kind of went back into the uh, coaching for life, life coaching as well. I mean, I remember having conversations variously with my counselors, like, what am I going to do? Yeah. And then <laughs> yeah. Going from there. And, uh, but that kind of, it, it sounds like that was kind of the stepping stone into your next uh, endeavor, Sets for Life, correct? And yes. It's a university, you have courses. Is there like a kind of foundation that you've really found that, resonates with mm. almost all athletes? You know, every athlete is different, but I think that mm -hmm. a lot of us, I think that what I really want to do with my first course was help athletes. And the first course is specifically for basketball players because that's my background. And I feel yeah. like no matter what sports you play, you need to be able to answer the million dollar question. And that is who am I without basketball? And that seems like a really, really simple question. But if you started playing basketball like I did at seven, eight, nine years old, and you were really good at it early on, it could be sort of a blessing and a curse. That's how you see yourself. And that's how others see you. And in order to get that D1 scholarship, in order to go pro, whatever, you have to be dedicated. You have to dedicate so much time to your sport. And that doesn't necessarily, and forget about, you know, interning while you're in college or whatever, that doesn't even give you time to understand your other interests. I have had people on my podcast who are 25, 30 plus, and they're just trying to figure out what they like. They yeah. have no clue. You know, mm -hmm. they don't know what their other interests are. And I was talking to a couple of parents the other day who have a younger child who was really into basketball. And I was telling them about my podcast and my book and things of that nature. And they said, oh, I never even really thought about, you know, things like that. And they said, well, what would you suggest? I said, now it's in order to play at a high level, it requires sacrifice. We all know that. But I said, encourage your kids to really, really get to know themselves outside of their sport. If you want to play baseball, that's great. But let's also send you to a coding camp. Let's have you play an instrument. Let's tap into some of your other gifts so that once basketball is over or football or whatever is over, you have some other options. You know, okay, yes, I was a really good basketball player, but I also play a mean saxophone or I mm -hmm. also have an idea for an app or maybe I want to go teach. Like you, you just have to really, really explore who we, none of us were sitting here with just one gift and you might be a, a all conference, one, three or four championships. That's great. But no matter what type of athlete you are, it's going to come to an end. And the sooner that you prepare for that day and begin to see yourself as more than just an athlete, the better off you're going to be. Oh man. As you were talking about that, I was just thinking my, that moment, I remember when I couldn't really identify myself as a runner anymore. We had to do this introduction when I was interning in DC and usually in classes, any other time, I would say, my name is Brooke. I'm a runner. I'm, you know, X, Y, Z, but it was always at the forefront. Um, I'm on the track team and I couldn't say it anymore. And so I had this moment where I was like, well, what am I? I guess a journalist. So I, I just started saying, mm -hmm. I'm a journalist. I'm a filmmaker. And then it wasn't until maybe a year ago, honestly, that I started sort of deconstructing, well, why do I have to have that type of label? What does that exactly mean? And so I started looking at like 
my name is Brooke and I'm curious about people and how we move mm, about the world. And so that, you know, like that means I fall into this category of a filmmaker and, and use my skills that way. But it's not, I'm not identified by my job. And I feel like that when just hearing you say that reinforces how life-changing it can be just to tell yourself or like remind yourself who you are as a person. I remember literally having to pick myself up off the couch. It was probably two or three in the afternoon, but you couldn't tell by my bedroom because everything was just pitch black. Mm -hmm. I was just in a dark place and I went and I looked in the mirror and I said, Joy, basketball is over. That overseas contract isn't coming. That second chance isn't coming. It's over and it is okay and you just have to figure out what you're gonna do next wow so i gotta ask why accounting <laughs> why accounting you know he's i he's i, I have a too. cpa so that's why i don't do know. accounting either <laughs> and you're a cpa <laughs> that's why I, yeah I that's better. why i asked i feel better <laughs> But, you know, I have in my journey to really help student athletes, I have been studying the DISC assessment. I think it's mm. important to understand who you are on a much deeper level. I mean, if you look at the DISC assessment, your D is just your natural born leader, somebody who is all about results. Your I, they're really people oriented, outgoing. Your S is sort of behind the scenes. They're the glue that holds everything together. And then you have your C. Your C is all about systems and implementing things and perfection and little picture. I'm a very high C on the DISC assessment. So the fact that I fell into accounting wasn't really that far off. Um, mm -hmm. I still love to crunch numbers. I don't like things that are sort of gray areas. I liked accounting because it was black or white. I was right or wrong. <laughs> so it was yeah. really right up my alley and it wasn't all bad. My biggest issue with accounting was that I felt like I was pushing paper and I wasn't helping anyone. And I was listening to a podcast just yesterday and they gave this statistic for millennials and it's it was something crazy, like almost 90% of millennials, not saying that we are interested in a paycheck, but we don't just want a paycheck. We want to help people. We want to serve. We yeah. want to work with organizations that have meaning. And that's really why accounting just didn't work for me long term. That makes sense. That was similar for you too, wasn't it, Don? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it, it was funny because I uh, I went off and kind of stuck around for four years with a big four accounting firm and thought we were doing some good stuff. And I was getting involved with a lot of community events like they did, but it wasn't really what I was looking for. I was looking to get more ingrained in a local community and uh, ended up working with a software company located here in a small town where I got to meet people. And now I'm working with a sustainability company and uh, yeah, also doing some contract analytic work, which allows me to get that kind of black and white numbering type yes. ordeal, which <laughs> it's nice. Now, Joy, are you still coaching? I am or not. I'm, I'm okay. not coaching and I'm not... Uh, working on the campus anymore. I'm focused on Sets for Life full time. Awesome. Well, mm -hmm. I'm curious also about your book, um, The Sweet Spot. That is something I would love. One day I'd love to write a book, but I can only imagine how much dedication 
goes into it. Was basketball and your dedication as an athlete, did that influence how you were able to finish this book and be a published author? Oh my goodness. That's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) And I had, I had the worst possible time to write a book. It was my, I was literally, I had just gotten a job as a division one assistant coach. I had probably been on campus on this new job for maybe two weeks when the idea just hit me. I had been reading a lot of books. I went on Amazon. I found every book that they have on life after sports, student athlete development. And I, you know, some things were good. It wasn't all bad, but nothing just really, really spoke to me. And I'll never forget. It was a Saturday morning and I had just gotten a new book from Amazon and I picked it up to read it. And I was like, I'm not reading another book. I'm just going to write my own. And I started and it's so crazy. I wrote nonstop for three months straight. Everywhere I went, I was literally, I was at practice writing. I would just get inspiration. I would write notes on my practice plan. Coach probably thought I was writing down something about my players, but I wasn't. It was for the book. (laughs) Sorry, coach. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would be walking around campus. I know I would be walking around campus. I would write things on my hand, my phone. It was just, it was a crazy three months. And I honestly haven't been able to write a lick since then. It's kind of crazy. But um, I know, I think it, I can't remember which author I wrote read an article on, but he said that writing a book should never take longer than a season. Um, and I mm-hmm. found that to be true. I got the book done. So people, some people like take years, but I had an amazing coach um, who I believe was literally put on this earth to help people write their books. So he really, really helped me along the process, but three months and the book was done. Wow. That's fast. Yeah. That's incredible. How has that been on your end? Have you been able to, um, do you, I guess mostly like being able to promote the book and get people to read it. What avenues are you taking to, you know, make sure that that, that your baby pretty much, you know, is, um, is being read and, and helping other people. It it's, it's amazing to see the power of the internet mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll literally get DMs from complete strangers. I have I don't know if you know. Cause I, I was promoted, one of them. I promoted, <laughs> I promoted on the podcast. Um, and then it's just, sports is a really small world, if you ask me. Um, and mm-hmm. a lot of people have really helped um, to promote the book. And once one person reads it, they're like, hey, you got to read it. So it's just been like a domino effect, really. And it has been really, really refreshing to have student athletes to read the book and give me their feedback, coaches to give me their feedback. Because one of the things I really, really talk about um, the first chapter is entitled, well, the first section is Houston, we have a problem. And I've mm-hmm. noticed that because I was in corporate and I didn't, a lot of people just come out of undergrad and go straight into athletics. And athletics is a fantasy world. It's a great place, but a lot of times you get jobs because of who you know, not necessarily mm-hmm. because you sat down and you know you just had a great interview, things like that. And a lot of coaches and administrators don't really know how the real world works. And they don't really understand that when you have an athlete and you get their housing together, their their schedules, their meal plans, their travel, when you do everything for them and they go into the real world, their classmates who didn't play sports, a lot of times are running circles around them. And I really wanted to make that plan. I wanted to make that black and white that I love that we give student athletes a first class treatment and they have a great time, but we have to do more to really get these kids ready. It has to be about so much more than winning championships. And I really wanted the book to help us, everyone, because it's going to take a team effort to prepare these kids for more than just game day. 
Oh, absolutely. We, I love that you said that. We just had a um, interview, Casey Thomas, he's the UCLA um, basketball men's and women's dietitian in nutrition. But what he talked about was also that they have um, workshops. Is that what I think is what he had uh, classified at, classified it as, but they, you know, teach knife skills, how to cook, how to, you know, what smoothie wow. do you like? What Very and, specific to nutrition. Very specific to nutrition. <laughs> but it is something that I, you know, had to learn, I guess. my I always like to cook, but I could see how if you had team dinners yeah, when every dining night, halls over. Yeah, and the dining halls, like. You can't yeah. swipe your ID anymore. What do you do? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, that's incredible. So it's been a, it's been good then to. In a way, I mean, you're coaching and mentoring people from all over um, in different backgrounds with different sports. Do you, is there any story that really stands out to you about someone who had a really transformative um, moment, either from reading your book or from doing the Sets for Life University? Anything that, you know, you want, you, you care to share with us about? I think one story that really stands out, um, and really motivates me to keep doing what I do is actually one of my former players. Um, My first year there was her senior year and she was a great kid, a leader, hard worker, great personality, just the type of kid that every coach wants on their team. And we got really close. Although she was a senior, I was only able to coach her for one year Mm -hmm. and she hadn't really had an opportunity to travel much outside of basketball. And I had a friend who was working a camp in New York. um, And I thought that it would be great for her to add that to her resume, um, to get out and explore, to meet some, because she would meet people from all over the world. I thought it would be a great opportunity. And like I said, she's really bubbly, outgoing. So the first step was a phone interview. So my friend called me after the interview and was like, Hey, what's up with your, with your girl? And I'm like, what do you what? mean? Yeah. He was like, you know, she really bombed the interview. Like after a while she got warmed up and it was better. I'm going to give her a chance, but you might want to talk to her. And I was blown away because this is a kid who never met a stranger. So wow. I called her into the office and I'm like, Hey, you know, my guy called me and told me what happened on the interview. And she sat down and she was like, coach, I got to be honest. And mind you, she's a senior on her way out, getting ready to graduate. That was my first time having an interview. I said, what? And the only, I said, well, you know, send me your resume. Like, like, what are you talking about? That was your first interview. You're 22 years old. I didn't say that term, but that's what I was thinking yeah. in my mind. <laughs> and the only thing on her resume was a fast food restaurant. And I said, well, how did you get that job? She said, well, I went for the interview and they told me I was really pretty. So I got hired. Wow. Okay. And I couldn't help but think, I wonder how many other athletes are in that position, you know, because like I, like I've been saying, Mm -hmm. we spend so much time focused on the sport and we spend so much time putting as coaches, putting workouts together, travel plans together, all this stuff. And, you know, schools are getting better. We might bring in a speaker once or twice a semester, but what's really going to happen in 30 or 60 minutes? You know what I mean? Especially for yeah. a kid who still, you know, is in the middle of it. They think that they're going pro, whatever the case may be. It really, it really hit me like a ton of bricks that I have to do more and not just for my 15 players, but for 
athletes across the country, across the world, because there are so, she's not the only one in that position. No. You know, no. you maybe you look at, you know, a guy who plays football and he's been huge his entire life. He's been celebrated his entire life. He's supposed to be a draft pick and he gets hurt and he's been just taken care of his entire life. And then it's over. What, what do you do? I read a book about a guy who uh, maybe made like a practice squad for NFL team or something and literally sat on the couch for three years waiting on the phone to ring and his family had to do an intervention and say, hey, we love you. We know you love football. Football is over. You got to get off the couch. The phone isn't like there are just so many athletes who just are not who have never put any thought into life after their sport because they've been this sweet athlete forever. So that story really, really stands out to me. And it lets me know that every day when I wake up, I need to be doing something to help these kids so that they can avoid the mistakes that I made. Man, that's good. Um, I think that with that, this is always a question that we ask towards the end, but it, it's highly suitable right here, I yeah. feel like. Um, knowing what you know now, what do you think you would tell yourself? Or what would you what do you think you'd tell your collegiate self? Whether it's your sophomore year, probably roughly sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's a great question. <sighs> that's a really good question. I would probably and I'm not crazy about the word passion. I think it's important mm-hmm. to find what interests you, but I would tell myself not to necessarily pick a major based on how much money I can make mm. um, or what sounds good or what's impressive, but to really get to know myself outside of the court. Um, in my course, I encourage athletes to take themselves on a date like a solo date, like get to know yourself, ask yourself some real questions. You know, it's, we, we have no clue. Like you were saying earlier, Brooke, you know, as you would Mm -hmm. introduce yourself, you would say, Oh, I run track for such and such. And for me, it was like, Oh, I I had on my South Carolina state gear 24 seven. I play for South Carolina state. It's, you know, I'm wearing my rings everywhere. I would really encourage myself to, discover what I like outside of basketball. And of course you have to make money. You have to get a job, whatever those things will come. But even if you have a job and you're not fulfilled, what's the point? So really just to, it sounds simple, but it's something that athletes don't do. And it is to, okay, Joy, figure out what interests you have outside of this orange basketball. We got to figure this out. Man, I wish I would have heard that earlier in life for sure. But we also, Don and I were looking, uh, we loved your IGTV on the, the coaches, though, you know, if, whenever you went in the locker room after, if you're having a bad, you know, first half, your coach would write on the white off board, show you like, have an idea of what's coming next. Um, I'm paraphrasing this. You had a much better way of <laughs> describing it. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah, it was the halftime talk. It was the right? halftime it talk. It was this uh, thing and breaking down your past half and then moving forward with the second half to yeah, and how to get there, say how to get there and determine what that goal really was. Yeah. And I'm just curious if you would be willing to share a little, um, a little something for our listeners on, you know, what's something that they can do today that can help them maybe 
get that whiteboard out and what should they write or what should they ask themselves to be able to have a better second half if right now is just not where they want to be? If someone watches that video, they might think I'm talking about a figurative whiteboard. I'm not. Literally, I'm looking at my, I'm literally Mm -hmm. looking at my whiteboard right now. And we're recording this on the 17th of July. So I have my July goals. I have, as athletes, we are so used to instant gratification in the sense that if I make a layup, I can look at the scoreboard and see the two points that have been added, right? Yeah, And that is a great way to measure your success. So don't stop that when the ball stops bouncing. I have my scoreboard. So halftime this month for me was July 15th. So I'm looking at all my goals for July. I literally wrote down the halftime score. I'm looking at what I can do. I have five goals for this month and I'm looking at what I need, what do I need to adjust? I'm literally going to use this weekend to really, really sit down and map out what I need to do to finish out my, my goals to accomplish my goals for the month of July. And our coaches drop so many gems, so many value bombs on us. And we think it's just for our sport and it's not. I often talk about the fact that I took with me again, with my accounting background, being a really high ceiling disc assessment, I put a ridiculous amount of time as an assistant coach into my individual workouts, planning my workouts. It was detailed. I literally had an Excel spreadsheet of different. (laughs) I had an Excel spreadsheet of different like ball handling drills, shooting drills, like, and I would go and I would pull and I would do that. And I played for great coaches. I worked for great coaches and I noticed something great coaches. They do not play when it comes to their practice plan. Okay. Mm -hmm. It is thought out. It's detailed. They don't just come into practice and wing it. They don't say, Oh, I think we might, you know, start with some, no, it's very intentional. It's down to the minute. I, I run my day. I run my week. I run my month. The same. I literally have a practice plan for this weekend. It's already mapped out. I have three things to finish tonight when we get off of here. Okay. I've got my things for Saturday. I've got my things for Sunday. I've got times to do it. I literally, and when you're playing, when you're at practice, okay, coach might put five minutes on the clock for this drill. I set my iPhone. I've got an hour to work on this and I'm on to the next task. I might have to add 15 minutes, whatever, but And some people might think that's extreme, but if you want results, you can't carry yourself like an average person. Having an average workout did not get you a scholarship. You had to put it, you had to do what other people thought was crazy. And I'm not interested in just, in just making a team in life per se. I want to be a star player and that's not being cocky or being arrogant, but I don't believe in just going through the motions. I didn't go to college just to get a Jersey. I wanted to win championships. You know, I want to be invited back and I want my team to be in the hall of fame, you know? So I think it's so important to look at maybe one or two things that your coach did that stood out and say, okay, how can I implement that in my own life? So that might mean getting a whiteboard and having those halftime adjustments, creating a a practice plan for your life or whatever it was that stood out for you, take that and implement it and you will get results. Joy, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it took me a while to figure out that you definitely need those weekly, monthly plans, just like you have your workouts broken down and your planning and your scheduling and for hitting taper or for hitting certain season and meets. It's it's a good transition. That was a good way to put it. Yeah, that was absolutely perfect. We, 
you know, like I said, we just really were excited to talk about this this topic together, but John and I, and then what we've seen so much is, you know, we're learning and we're growing as former athletes by talking to people like you and other mm-hmm. former athletes who, you know, have been through it and have a lot of other insights because all these experiences are so different. You know, you got track, swimming, yes. basketball, but here we are all having so many similar. Yes, it's absolutely. just, yeah, it's incredible. I really want to thank you for your time on here and and for your words of wisdom. Like so much wisdom is in this episode. I'm so excited for people to listen and take it in because if they apply even just a little bit of this, like I hope they get the Sets for Life University, but <laughs> you know, if they just apply a little bit of what you've given, I, I think that there's a lot of really good stuff to come. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.